What's up, kids? Welcome to Poolside Chats with Dom and Chris, the show where we talk about everything from music production to the spiritual side of music creation. I am Chris. And I am Dom. And here we go. Oh, we are back. Man. So, this is podcast dose. And uh, obviously, we're shooting pool. That's yeah, what we do. What, uh, what am I? Table is open. Table is open. So yeah, we just got done with some mastering sessions this evening and um, did some shooting out of different hardware chains and software chains and had a lot of fun. Uh, Dom and I have separate locations. Uh, we obviously do, as we talked about in the first uh, podcast, education courses through uh, the academy that we founded called the Music and Recording Arts Academy. And um, we shoot a lot of videos based on a lot of the work that we do. We actually are getting ready to launch a video on Silent One. So look out for that if you're uh, an avid synth user. And we've got some other cool ones coming up on new gen audio products, which are pretty exciting. Speaking of new gen audio, uh, we were talking a lot about them tonight as they have some amazing tools for mastering. So while I take a shot, I'm going to let Dom kind of talk about this and we'll fire tonight off with some uh, plug-in dialogue. Yeah, so new gen um, has a really cool line of products. To the eye, they look a little different because they just have um, displays that we're not used to. They're very utility-based, I would say. Um, They're very elegant in their own way, but um, yeah, they're very utility-based. And the one that I'm really looking at right now that's actually been long overdue to get is called Master Check. And one of my favorite parts besides just the beautiful metering that this plugin provides is the fact that you can put a... um, kind of like sister plugin before any plugin chain and then put the master check after the plugin chain. And there's a mode inside of the plugin that allows you to bypass your whole plugin chain and then put it back in at the same volume as everything was before you put any plugin. So you're volume matching any plugin chain that you want, basically. And then it helps a lot with deciding on critical EQing choices. And then definitely when you finally put a limiter or anything on your master bus and you want to see if it's actually better or not or if it's destroying your mix. And it's just a really beautiful thing. And I really applaud NewGen for adding that feature into this already great metering plugin. Mm. Well said. Um, also a huge, huge fan of the master check plugin here. We actually teach the full line of new gen plugins. They are a proud, uh, yeah, I'm stripes. Uh, new gen is a proud partner of the continue music studio and the music and recording arts Academy. They would been with us now for about maybe nine months or so. And it's really cool. Um, a lot of their stuff is made for broadcast. So we actually used, uh, their limiter on our podcast, uh, today, as well as an EQ plugin, which is extremely transparent. I mean, if you are familiar with the Fab Filter uh, Pro Q2, uh, it's pretty much the exact same thing as that. Gives options for mid side, uh, right, left, linear phase, uh, everything you could want, all mastering grade stuff. So the video series, um, we are actually we designed the video series because we're doing a remix slash mix slash mastering contest coming up featuring an artist by the name of Stargaze. 
and uh, it's it's pretty cool. We we decided to record a three part video series showcasing new gen audio plugins in action. So the first video series covers um, new gen audio products on drums, especially in the realm of EDM. We used uh, Electro House Song for that, and then the music stem, and then the mastering stem. So pretty cool to see this three part video in action. But to kind of parlay off what Don was saying about the master check, is it gives you the ability to insert plugins or hardware before the master check and with one click of a button, be able to AB your plug-in chain or your hardware chain in real time at the same gain level with literally one push of a button, which is, you know, as Don was just saying, amazing, just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, just want to put in a side note that Chris and I talk about anything that we're excited about at any given moment. Yes. And uh, the master check, even though it's such a simple plug-in, it's just something that is so useful that you get really caught up in dynamics and EQs and effects, but you kind of lose sight of sometimes what's the most important things in audio, which is just making sure that your dynamics are there and making sure you have a good way of knowing how to meter these things. And uh, I've been, I've used so many meters <laughs> in my not very long time of doing this, but um, I've gone through so many meters uh, when I first got Slate Digital's FXG. I was using that for a long time and then um, moved on to the T-Rax meter and all this stuff. But then I think I think I found the one. It is the one. <laughs> it is the one. I think I found it, the, the one to rule them all. If you had to only, if I could only have one meter, it would be that. And Dom's right. You know, we, we are excited about uh, the things we talk about. We we just left the studio five minutes ago. We've been working on mastering for the last two hours. So I mean, this these plugins are you know they're awesome and they're utilities and and they're just they're so cool and they really do expand your game. And as as an avid user as well, um, you know I have a license for the FXG, the T Rax, uh, the metering software, uh, Perception by Meter Plugs. I mean, there's so many of them out there. Even looking at stuff. Like Span, for instance, by Vox and Go. If you are, that's actually a pretty good one, though. It just doesn't have luffs. Exactly, it's yeah. great. If if you're looking for, if you don't want to spend the money on Master Check or Perception or any of these other plugins out there, um, Google uh, Vox and Go, V O X E N G O, and they have a free plugin called Span, S P A N, and it's an amazing graphical analysis plugin. It gives you all kinds of different parameters. You can route different things to it, so you can see your kick and your bass simultaneously up on it. It's just, it's great and it's free. Definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah, so we've seemingly been preaching new gen for the first uh, few minutes of this podcast and just want to let you know that we only preach what we think is honest quality um, with anything. And uh, new gen, you'll obviously start shelling out some uh, some of that money, hard-earned money for these plugins, but you just get what you pay for most of the time and they just work. And so... Uh, Check out the new gen site. Uh, check out all of their lines. They have a lot of stuff that's kind of more broad, broadcast based and uh, not necessarily to help you shell out that newest banger. Right. <laughs> but right. Uh, um, check out their stuff. Then maybe see if other companies, and you can demo them, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, of yeah. course, demo yeah. before you buy yeah, yeah. and just check out these things. They have yeah. a really cool stereo widener plugin. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's going to be many other podcasts where we emphasize uh, other plugin companies. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we just, We've just been having a big uh, discussion these last couple of days about metering and the mm -hmm. new gen ones just really blown us away. And mm -hmm. it's actually been out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It it's yeah. not like super yeah. new or anything. No, but no. 
Yeah, cool. Does, doesn't need to be new. It's just it's solid. And if you guys, if once we dive deeper in the podcast, you know, we if you check out the website, um, we are partnered with a lot of companies, but we don't necessarily endorse a lot of companies' products. And it's because some companies uh, don't make the best stuff. Um, granted, out of a plugin bundle, there are a couple gems usually, but not every plugin really rocks the house. And, you know, we only will talk about things that we are using. No one is paying us to talk about this. No one is hooking us up. Yeah, I wish. I wish, too. I mean, new gen, if you guys want to throw us some cash, you know, hook us up. We're totally down to rep your products. But at the same time, we're sharing products and ideas and workflows because we are using these things and they're powerful and they're making our lives easier. They're enabling us to be more creative. They're putting us in a flow state, which is giving us the ability to do better work because we have tools at our disposal, which are assisting us along the way. So regardless of what you guys are using, I guess we can conclude this little segment by saying, get metering plugins. If you're going Vox and Go for free, and believe me, Dom and I both started there and they're amazing products. I actually just forgot about that one. I should have been using that this whole time. Right, right. No, for sure. Using crappy limiter meters. No, it's it's, it's really good stuff. And if you want to spend a couple hundred bucks, there are a variety of options out there. And if you hit us up uh, with an email to... um, What's our email address? Continuumartistcommunity at gmail.com. With any questions, we'll be more than happy to uh, maybe create a video and shoot out the different options. But be on the lookout for this new video series. It's really powerful stuff, especially if you're mastering your own music and you're trying to upload to Spotify, to iTunes, to YouTube. And that, that's actually a good segue. So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about like loudness and, yeah, and actually right. getting your music on these platforms. Right on. So... What is loudness? What is loudness? What is loudness? Sorry for the extra, extra sibilance. Sibilance. Um, which you, sh- you should definitely also take care of on your tracks. We definitely do it for this podcast uh, a, a bit. But, um, Use a <laughs> Yeah, we, we will be using that. And uh, to actually, well, that will be the FabFilter uh, DS, yes. which is a uh, shameless plug because we get nothing from them. They no. are they are way too big. No. And they are way too cool for yeah. us, apparently, because yeah. yeah. we have reached out to them and they're like, sorry, you guys are not big enough to but rep our shit. I'm the like, problem right. is, is they have good plugins. They do. They're yeah. amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, just, yeah, a little tid- tidbit. But um, anyways, loudness. It uh, we've been kind of obsessing over this whole idea as well because we've kind of been in a mastering mode lately. Mm-hmm. And um, so Chris started the whole revolution in our little two-person community. Yes, it's a <laughs> of, big community. <laughs> of uh, just us both researching different loudness metering and what they mean, like what luffs are actually. And I'm not going to go into this because there's plenty of literature and um, you could probably just hit a, a tell them about Ian Shepard a little bit. Oh, so yes. they, could, they yes. can, they know where to go. Cause I'm right. just going to butcher anything I say. Totally, totally. But, um, I would too. In point. my mind, at least I kind of understand it. Right. But if I try right. to say it through this mic, it's just going to be, we're going to have to edit it. Right. Let's, let's not, let's <laughs> but, just um, just yeah. Play. So yeah. we just kind of been obsessed with researching these things and, uh, I'm going to take my shot and let yeah. Chris go. <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's kind of break this down fundamentally and then we can explain it a little bit deeper. So loudness is essentially, what it is it's 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 loudness it's it's getting your music to a commercial level and a lot of people 
have a misconception that mastering is about loudness. That's not necessarily the case. Is is a component of mastering to get music loud? Yes. But it's not the objective of mastering. It is one component. The other major component is to give music a nice ratio of dynamic range. And I would say translatability is a huge part Absolutely. of mastering. Absolutely. So if, if in, in our perception, those are the big three. If you're mastering your own music at home, you should be focused on getting your music louder but in a clean way. You should be focused on uh, translatability and making sure that it sounds good out of your monitors, in the car, on an iPhone, on earbuds, whatever. And then you should also be focused on your dynamic range. And a lot of people just focus on loudness and they have a ton of distortion or artifacts in their music. Their noise floor is insane or they don't have any dynamic range whatsoever. Like the track we're listening to tonight, a major artist on Skrillex's label was Oswala, is that it? Or OS? W-L-A, however you... Probably, I don't know. I don't Whatever, I don't know if it's an acronym or if they can say Oswala. But this artist had a peak ratio of, a true peak ratio of four decibels over zero. Okay, and this was, New Gen Audio makes a true peak meter, which gives you the actual true peak. And then the um, the dynamic range of this, and this is a meter by Meter Plugs, uh, designed by Ian uh, Kerr of Meter Plugs and Ian Shepard, a well-known mastering engineer. The dynamic range was two, two decibels of dynamic range, which is crushed, like smashed to the house, right? Yeah, it was insane. Um, but... The track was done well from start to finish to make it sound this loud. And I mean, when you're on Skrillex's label, I'm assuming there's going to be some precautions taken to make sure that your music fits the genre and sounds great at the same time. But um, also this whole idea of loudness really comes into play with all these different formats of releasing your music. We want our music to be on YouTube. We want our music to be on SoundCloud. We want it to be on Reverb Nation. We want it to be on all these things so we can have the most exposure. Problem is, is uh, is Chris is going to talk about in a second, is all these different compression types that you get with each one. We wish that there was a standard for every single website that we can release music to, but it's just not the case. No. And I'm only going to briefly talk about this because I'm, I'm not a mastering engineer. Brief is all we need. Brief is all we need indeed. We're going to keep it short, sweet, and simple. Um, you know, I'm learning mastering and I'm fascinated by mastering, but you know, the true greats, like a guy like Ian Shepard, who's, you know, one of my mastering idols and a guy that I read his blog often. I watch his videos. I mean, he is just a, a wealth of knowledge and is very generous with it. Um, essentially, Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube all have different loudness standards. So a lot of these plugins now, like Perception by Ian Shepard and Ian Curve meter plugs, um, give you breakdowns so you can see where your LUFs are at. LUF stands for loudness units full scale. So like DB FS stands for decibels full scale. You're essentially looking at music instead of on a decibel level and a peak ratio. You're looking at music on a loudness unit ratio, but you're also coupling in a ratio of dynamics and what they call peak to loudness dynamics. So essentially you're getting what they call a PLR, which is your peak to loudness ratio, which is showing how much dynamics you have in your music. So a lot of people measure music in two ways, in peak or in RMS. And I'll let Dom talk a little bit about the two of those, and then we'll get back into talking about dynamics metering. 
Yeah. Um, so Peak and RMS are what, uh, they are both on all of our limiters, all like if you use Slate FXG or um, a lot of, uh, you know, like the T-Rex. These are just a couple of companies that I've just come across. There's plenty more. But um, you have these classic peak rate, uh, peak meters and also RMS meters. And so RMS basically just takes an algorithm um, that's, it's a root mean squared. Uh, that's basically all my knowledge is on that, but that's what it stands for. And it basically takes an averaging algorithm to let you know what the average level of your, uh, of your signal is. And something that I found out about RMS recently is that there's different ways to get an RMS reading and it all comes down to, um, different waves that you use to calibrate it. And it turns out that not all meters are the same when concerning RMS and the ones I've been using have actually been three dB less, um, true reading as far as the American engineering society is concerned. Then, um, they've been three dB less than, uh, yeah, what AES, the American Engineering Society, has deemed uh, universal, I guess you could say. And um, so I've been basically pushing my tracks three dBs louder than I thought because I was, instead of using my ears on the final, because I knew that these clients were going to want a loud master, I was actually giving them way too loud of a master just because I had no idea that the discrepancy of these two different RMS uh, calibrating mm. um, ways. <laughs> Interesting. Um, just on a sidebar, is it is it American or is it audio? I thought it was audio oh, was engineering society. American? Oh, definitely audio. Okay. Yeah, wait, American? I think it's audio. There probably is an American There's probably society. one of each, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like different engineers. For sure, for sure. But no, I'm sure it's audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. audio one. It's I was like, are we talking about the same one? Like All right. AES convention. Right, yeah, 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 for sure. Cool. By the way, that's happening in like two weeks. At, yeah. It's in L.A. on the 23rd yeah. or 6th this month. Oh, yeah. um, on that note, Tape Op sent me an email about free AES tickets. I got that too. Yeah, so yeah. check out their website and scour it. I mean, They might just send it to subscribers, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, still, I mean, if you're planning on going, you can get a ticket for free. Oh, yeah. Then get it. I mean, it's not the grand ticket where it's right. 300 it's bucks or whatever, but hey, whatever. Saves, you, saves you some bucks. You're still going to LA. So Yeah, no, for sure. And by the way, Tape Op, T-A-P-E-O-P magazine uh, is an amazing magazine and it's it's free. It's very free. You can get it in print form and electronic form. We both do. It is amazing. In fact, the gentleman who writes it is the guy who actually runs the hangar or, or before the hangar closed down and they moved uh, to, I want to say Santa Cruz, he is the writer of the magazine. So it's pretty cool. I interned at that studio. The guy's really intelligent. He's been doing this a long time. Amazing gear, amazing knowledge, et cetera. Um, so I'm going to take a shot and then we'll talk a little bit more about um, uh, RMS and peak and loudness. Is there anything else you want to share about limiting, mastering, uh, anything just, like that on that topic? That's basically my wealth of knowledge. Oh, at least as far as metering and loudness goes, because that's just been a recent obsession with us just because it's cool to always find a kind of a niche thing to <laughs> he's trying to. So Chris right now is struggling with our boom stand. That's you probably just. Yeah. Boom stand with the SM58 on it to mic all of our lovely pool plays. And he just moved it, which is should be a foul. He should get an instant scratch and loss. But he's also on the eight ball and he missed oh. it. Super. Super eight ball. Super. Okay. So to talk about loudness real fast, I don't really want to go deep into this, but I, I will say this, <laughs> that with the deeper than we have. Yeah, for sure. Um, that if you're measuring your music, 
strictly by a peak or RMS level, you are missing one of the key components of mastering, which is dynamics retention. Mm -hmm. And that is such a big part of your music. So if you don't own any meters that do PLR or peak to loudness ratios, which shows you the variances in dynamic content, you really need to look into this. In fact, um, I just downloaded a demo of a plugin called um, Dynamics by Meter Plugs. Again, mastering engineers, great guys over there. Um, and it shows you not only a graphical readout with colors, which is great, and the same colors as like the TT meter uh, by uh, IK Multimedia and other ones that many of us use. Uh, it also shows peak to loudness ratios throughout the whole song. And they give you standards you should shoot for. So you can click a button that says iTunes and it will show you what your peak to loudness ratio should be for importing to iTunes. Same for Spotify. Same for YouTube. So this is really important because let's say, for instance, I believe YouTube is at 13 uh, LUFs, loudest units, full scale. And let's say that your music comes in at six. All right. You have crushed the living daylights out of your music and YouTube is going to apply their own compression algorithm to your music and crush it even more. So you have to ask yourself, do you want your music that crushed? And if you don't, understanding these PLR ratios will help you pre-bake your music and master your music, knowing the algorithm that it's going to go into to make sure that your music sounds as good as it does in your studio as it does online for your listeners. Yeah, and it's important to note that with this Luff meter, um, he said six would be crushed, so it's zero on top, and then it would go down from there to one, two, and then all the way down to infinity, basically. Um, so zero being absolutely crushed. It's just like if, um, just like on all of your peak scales and all right. of that, it's just zero. Smashed. Zero is Smashed. just the limit that you don't want to go past. Yeah. yeah. So, put it this way. Um, Quick thing, uh, if, you're, if you're using a luff scale, um, you want to be aiming for maybe 12 luffs. That's an appropriate luff to go off of uh, for any style of music. doesn't matter if you're making banger, EDM, or jazz. Um, and if you're using a PLR scale, you want to be chiming in at about, I would say, 10 on average um, decibels in that dynamic scale. Obviously, the more dynamics you have, the better. And you'll find that your masters are going to come out cleaner. Your music's going to sound better. And when you upload to some of these crazy uh, websites that have these algorithms that, as Don mentioned earlier, are not the same. So as great as it would be if iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, all these people got together and said, we're just going to have one standard. They don't do that. They make you jump through hoops and go based off their algorithm. So it's healthy to know that if you're going to release strictly to YouTube, set yourself up for that. If you're going to go to Spotify, set yourself up for that. And I guarantee you'll thank yourself for it in the long run. Yeah. So I, uh, I do like loudness, um, in excess and not in excess though. It's, uh, I do think it makes things sound better. I mean, a lot of people agree. You hear something that's louder, you automatically think better. And this has been proven as well as a song having more dynamic range has been proven to um, be picked out by people as their favorite. And this was also a study uh, probably done in a college somewhere. Yeah. I'd have to check my facts on that one. But the the fact of the study that I do know is that the track that had more dynamic range was overall chosen. And um, so there is a good medium. I mean, 
it is fun to use. It's nice to not have to crank your car stereo up all the way just so your, your tracks at a decent level. I mean, that's where the normal mastering comes in where you get things to a good level. And then, um, but for the most part with these different sites that we put music on, they're doing the cranking for you. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like, they're bringing it to, it's, there's a normalized level where you have no control over. Mm -mm. It's either going to make your audio just louder Mm -hmm. or it's going to make it crushed. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to let people know about is that just know these levels that they're, they want you to put things at and just basically put it there. So there's no surprises. Absolutely. I think the key here, and we alluded to such themes as this in our first podcast is that you need to educate yourself and take the time to be somebody who's a student. And if you're not studying what's going on in the industry, you're essentially making decisions that are not in your best interest. Like take the record labels, for instance. Record labels are struggling now to survive because the paradigm of how they make money is gone. So just as music making five years ago and how people mastered music five years ago, we are still in what they call the loudness war. Even though the war is starting to die down, we the reason Dom and I are mastering tonight is we're working with an artist right now who literally called us today after we submitted him a bunch of different revisions of the master who said, well, I'm listening to the original artist's track because he's doing a remix of it. And he says, mine's not as loud as his. So he is not well-versed in mastering. He shouldn't be. He's the artist. He doesn't need to be. But we are trying to educate ourselves in mastering because things that are happening in mastering now were not six months ago and probably won't be a year from now. So it's like, do the reading, find the blogs, watch the videos, listen to great podcasts, because that is going to be your key to being successful in the industry. To be honest, it is way easier to master a track that you don't have to crush. Um, and, uh, to us, it just sounds way better, though. It's just what it comes down to. Oh, you missed that. You've been on that eight ball three separate times. And it's, we, as basically aspiring mastering engineers, I mean, we've been doing it for a bit, but we're always learning. It's just comes with having a very self-critical nature when this industry and then always wanting to learn and then always thinking that you're not at your best. Um, so, I mean, when you look back, like Chris and I are way better than we were even a year ago, you know, I mean, he's been doing it longer than I have too, but he can probably say he's grown in a year and a lot. Massively. Massively. Yeah. Yeah. So have Um, you. Yeah, absolutely. We both have. Um, and before I said that, I completely forgot my train of thought. I'll try to think of it. (laughs) It's your shot. I'll pick it up from here. I think, I'd like to comment on something that Dom said, and this is great. This is why I love, um, you know, the back and forth that we are able to have. Um, Picks up my pieces because I forget shit all the time. I, I do, I do. I have to. So, <laughs> someone's got to carry you, Dom. Yeah, I'll I'm carry not, you, bro. I'm not a natural talker like you, Chris. It's all good. It's all good. I, I have years of training on microphones, DJing um, against my will. The, believe me, it was not easy to learn to be on the mic at all. That took some definite practice, as it was very uh, nerve wracking and scary experience. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, Dom mentioned something about being self-critical. I want to jump in and say that don't be critical of yourself. Um, What Dom really meant to say, he just used the wrong language, which is language sucks. If, If you don't know anything about language yet, language is the best medium we have to talk about things that really can't be quantified or defined with language. So we're going to use the best terminology we can, but ultimately you guys need to focus on the big picture with us. If we say things that aren't exactly correct technically, or if we allude to things that aren't accurate, block out the language and try to focus on the bigger concept. So the bigger concept here is the act of growth and being critical of yourself is going to hinder your growth. 
because you're going to be in this self-loathing, I'm not good enough. No, it attributes to my growth. That's what I was getting at. No, I know, but I'm saying we're talking about, this is semantics yeah, now. So yeah. you're, you're saying that um, being self-critical inspires you to grow. What I'm encouraging is you're really not being self-critical. You're challenging yourself to Constructive grow. Constructively. Yeah, yeah, which no, is it's totally I'm different. not like beating right. myself up at night. That mix okay. could have been better, okay. you know? Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's, there's a lot of love behind it to myself. Like, I know this is what I want to do. Good shot. He just, he just won the game and we're both on the eight ball, but yeah, there's a lot of love behind my self-criticism and that's just how I grow. That is my personal tool I use to always want to learn. Cause I don't ever want to get into the same place with mixing or mastering where I think I have it set. I'm always going to try a new thing. And I alluded to this last podcast as well, that, um, always try something. If you hear it and you have the means to try it, you have the tools. For instance, if it's a free plugin that someone suggests, no, you try this stereo widener out. It's free, but it's great. Just give it a shot. I mean, if it's free, it's a couple of bits of data. Totally. (laughs) Just just grab it. Exactly. Yeah, grab it hard. Um, No, free plugs are great. I think just to conclude that little segment is uh, we both know that this process of learning to be an audio engineer, learning to be a music producer, is painfully hard. And so hard. So hard. And it, it's harder in this day and age because the the age of bands are kind of dead. Unless you grew up playing an instrument like Dom and I did, or instruments, uh, you don't really have that group band experience. So you're now in a room with a pair of headphones on or a pair of speakers, you're contributing to music by yourself, you're creating by yourself, you're analyzing by yourself, you're mixing by yourself, you're trying to be objective by yourself. It's just, it's difficult because your only opinion objectively is your own opinion, which is subjective. So you're going to sit there and potentially beat yourself up. And I, I can't tell you the number of times, guys, at my old location was a warehouse and it was a warehouse where 85 bands practiced and I knew the owner. So the, the only rule was no studios and, and no living here, essentially the only two rules. And he's like, yeah, you can build a studio if you want. So I built a studio in my room. So literally I'd show up and I'd walk down the hall and you hear reggae in one room, hard rock in the next room, hip hop in the next room. I mean, it was where all of Sacramento's bands practiced. So I would go late to avoid the bleed coming through the walls from kick drums and bass drums. And I spent five years of my life literally 40 hours a week alone in a warehouse working on mixing and watching videos and reading blogs and buying books and doing trial and error. And I can't tell you the number of times I walked out of the room at five o'clock in the morning with my head down, just being like, fuck, I suck. You know, and it was, it was draining. It was very exhausting, but I would go in the next day and listen and think, man, I was way too hard on myself. Like I was better than I was yesterday. And that's kind of the point of this is, is like, don't judge your progress. Just as long as you're working every day, you're getting better. It may not seem like you're getting better, but trust me, you are getting better. Yeah. It's really hard to uh, notice progress in real time. Um, I listened. Yeah. It's, it's a whole history thing. It's easy to point out the flaws of our former leaders when you look in hindsight, but um, living in the now is really important. And just Anytime you're doing something, obviously just make the best of it. Uh, Just get as far as you can at the moment that you're currently in. When you listen to it the next day, maybe take notes, do what you need to do in order to progress further. Obviously, you're not going to like it 100%. If you do, um, 
you might need to bring that down to 99% to give yourself at least 1% Mm -hmm. to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe be a little bit more critical because there always, you know, there are some people out there who think they they have it all. Oh, yeah. Um, They do, Dom. They do have it all. But who (laughs) might, that's the thing, is who, that's all subjective as well. That's like, they might have it all and they know, they know. No, for sure. If you truly believe it. No, absolutely. Hey, gotta gotta love them for their confidence, you know? Man. You gotta have confidence. That's someone learning from Chris is confidence. He, he exudes it and it's, it's a good thing. It is. And believe me, it was, it was not easy. It's, it's, it, it is, it is not easy to sustain confidence, let alone build it. But I think in life, you know, you need to spend time getting to know yourself and who you are. And if you're somebody that loves music, you know, you need to be, it's open, go ahead and shoot. Um, you need to be doing music, but you also need to believe in what you're doing, you know, to say, I hope I make it, or I would really like to do this professionally. Like, Fuck that. Like, don't hope. Like, wh- what is there to hope for? Like, hope is essentially saying that you're, you're believing that you need a miracle to make something happen for you. Why don't you just have confidence that it will? And the first thing you need to do is rearrange your speech. And you need to start speaking in affirmative statements. So when you walk into the studio tonight, don't say, you know, I really hope that I turn out a good mix or I have a good session. Walk into this studio session. I'm going to have a great session tonight. I'm going to learn a lot tonight. I'm going to have a ton of fun. And take that energy and that attitude in there. Don't let your mind play tricks on you and tell you you're not confident. It's like, if you don't believe in what you're doing, okay, if you don't believe in your music, if you don't believe in who you are, how is anybody else going to? Perfect. How is anyone else going to? They're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Yeah, um, that was very well said. I uh, I just want to bring back uh, the talk, just kind of my former years of being in my room when everyone has their like. I currently work out of a um, out of a little studio out of uh, outside of my house. It's completely separate. But um, before, just like everyone, you know, I had a small speaker setup, monitor setup in my room with a laptop, and those are some of the best times of my creating. Okay just years. I just loved being in there. Um, anytime you're limited with a certain amount of gear, anytime that you don't have everything that you'd ever want, but you know that they're not exactly reachable at that moment and you have to make do with what you have, those a lot of the time that um, those times bring out some of your best creativity because you're really focused on the craft more than the gear and the plugins. And I loved it. And I, I'm still working on tracks that I created from back then that I was just in a different mindset of it's all about the music and not so much about the gear and um, all the little technical things. And now I'm applying my technical side to my vast knowledge of creativity I had when I was in high school and zero worries. <laughs> and uh, it's awesome. It's it's yeah. So while you have maybe not as much gear as you'd want or maybe not as uh, many plugins as you would like to have in the future... Just make do with what you have and create some sick leads, create some awesome baselines and just give yourself a vast library of projects that you can work on in the future when you know you're going to have better ears and just always create. Don't get, if you hear people talking about plugins, you have to have, it's not true. You don't have to have anything. All you need is a means to put down sounds that you think are cool and just Mm -hmm. as minimal as possible. Just do it. Do well, it. well, no, that's that's amazing advice. And to pick up on that, I just thought of two things while Don was talking as he just segued us beautifully into what is a really powerful topic that we we need to discuss. And I really hope you guys take all this with 
um, a grain of salt because this is very important to to at, to understand and apply to your productions and your workflow. Um, I am a huge proponent of working with very few tools, few tools in the beginning. So I don't care right now if your plugin collection has forty different compressors. Okay. I want you to pick one compressor this week and I want you to use that compressor on everything, on kick drum, on vocals, on uh, a subgroup of bass layers, on the master bus. And I want you to understand what that compressor is doing and I want you to push it hard. The best way to see what a compressor is doing is crank the threshold so you're slamming the compressor and then mess with the attack and release so you can really hear, is it distorting, which it will be? Uh, Does it sound crappy? Is it pumpy? Is it thin? Is it inflated? Is it boomy? And and start describing your compressor to yourself in words. So you can say, okay, on the mix bus, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. On the bass line, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. On the drums, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. And then you'll know what that compressor's skills are. And more importantly, when you use it for a week, you will know every time you grab that compressor, this is my, I love it on vocals, or I love the low mid push it gives, or wow, that really rolls off the highs. And if you don't spend time with your tools, you'll never do that. So when you have 40, it's easy to pick a different compressor every day. But if I asked you right now, can you tell me the difference between this compressor and that in detail, I guarantee you wouldn't be able to do it. And that's a huge disadvantage to you. Yeah, and we uh, bring up compressors a lot on this podcast because Chris and I just love compression. It's just a, it's a movement generator that um, allows just tracks to move in ways that you would probably have to automate for a full day to get if you really wanted to try with volume. Um, and there's certain plugins and uh, hardware pieces that do better than others, and those are the ones that we tend to go for due to their vibe. But... Um, you also can't leave out EQs. Do the exact same thing yes. with multiple yes. things. So yes. reverb especially. Yeah. So if you have only like two reverb plugins and you're never sure on when you should use them or what, um, just use it all the time. Try it on everything. And then you'll find out what you don't like it on. And then you'll find out if how much reverb's enough reverb too. And that's another big topic that we might get into at some point. Um, so when you limit reverb, you you know how much you get. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, especially, so EQs and compressors are the huge ones to try that out because EQs, um, if I had to choose, I would probably go with only being able to use EQs over compressors, even though I'm obsessed with compression. They just, there's tracks in the past that have only been EQ'd and there's no tracks that have only really had compression, I think. You know, EQs, they got them on desks. They're they're everywhere. And so do the same thing with EQs as well. Just use one EQ, one compressor for a mix and make that like your soft mix. Call it like your soft mix. And then know in mind that you might do another one later, but just have fun. Just limit yourself and don't worry about all of the lines of plugins that you might have cracked or gotten for free or all this stuff. It's just very nice to just know that you're going to only be using a certain amount of tools and just, it's just a bliss in it. It's nice. It is. I mean, guys like Andrew Sheps, for instance, I mean, they, he has a lot of gear in his uh, Punker Pad West studio. Google it. It's amazing. But, you know, he limits himself to like he's got a Neve desk and he makes sure to use the Neve EQ on every channel. He doesn't reach for other EQs, you know. So it's like what Dom is saying makes perfect sense. And to uh, we challenge you. Um, to do something. We want you to take, you know, your next project and pick one EQ 
preferably like a parametric EQ that gives you the ability to do shelves and notches and bells and stuff like that, and one compressor and mix a full song with just that one EQ and one compressor. And I guarantee you will learn immense amounts of information about those tools. And if you want to throw a reverb in there, we're not going to cover reverb today, but we do have a great four-part series on the website, the blog uh, for reverb. Article one and two covers rooms and plates. Article uh, or article one covers rooms and plates. Article two covers uh, springs, halls, and convolutions. Article three covers the more emotional and abstract um, application of reverb. And article four covers the best plugins and hardware on the market today that Dom and I personally use that we love. So if you do need a crash course in reverb, I would highly recommend checking out the Continue Music Studio site, going to the blog, and seeing that for yourself. Yeah, if you ever have a hard time trying to pick out plugins or um, thinking that you need something else, be like, I really like my sound, but I know other people are using this and maybe I can start improving. If you have a good sound, stick with that sound. If you've been using something, especially if you have the mindset where you're going to be releasing an album, if you haven't released anything yet and you're trying to figure out what's my sound, everyone's first album sound is basically what you had to start out with. It's just, it's just true. You, and that's it, a lot of the times you get the raw emotion and it sometimes comes through an EDM more so in other genres where you're actually singing and playing an instrument, but you get the truth in the first album. Mm-hmm. And as long as your music's there, the rest will follow yes. and mixing will fall into play. Um, even if you're doing it yourself, if your song's good and you're not just destroying it with your inadequate mixing. If you haven't been mixing a while, then it'll be fine. Um, just make sure your song's there. And it's just the bottom line is just don't worry about your equipment. If you're happy, stick with it. Well said. Words of but always the learn and try to just try stuff out if you have the means to and it's not breaking the bank. But that's also just gearhead talk. I right. Mean, we obviously, it's kind of an, um, hypocrites when it comes to it because we also love gear. We do. <laughs> and uh, we um, kind of eat my words a little bit. But uh, in the beginning, at least, when you haven't decided to do this full time or something, just... Just stick with what you know and really get to know. Like there's certain synths and EQs and compressors I start out with that I still use because I just know them so well mm-hmm. and haven't gotten lost in this convolution of all these different plugins that I've ended up with. Absolutely. And, and don't get Dom and I wrong. We both have extremely extensive plugin libraries and getting deeper in the hardware as well as we have a good collection of hardware too. And all the tools are great. But it's about the music, and there's no need to go overboard with the tools if, A, the song is not that good, or B, if you really don't understand what the tools are doing. So the goal is focus on the song. You know, I believe that there is a five-step process to music, and the first step is going to be the uh, sound design of the instruments um, in the song. So first you start with an idea in your head and then you grab synths or you know timbres, drums or whatever and you start using sounds and designing of sounds to manipulate what's in your head and you want to get that into the DAW. After you have a rough sketch of what you're doing, you're going to then start arranging. So you're going to move the chorus here, you're going to cut this in half and move it there. After the arrangement is done, you're going to go and find like finally edit your parts and make Make sure the flow, your transitions, everything is there. Once you are liking the song from start to finish, you then start to mix. Once you get done, you master. So it starts with the composing. It gets to like composing slash sound design. It gets to arrangement. It 
gets to transitions and flow, it gets to mixing and it gets to mastering. And if you follow those steps in order, you'll probably write good songs because you're not trying to do two things at once. Like don't write music and mix music simultaneously. They're two separate processes. Absolutely. And I mean, everyone does things their own way because Chris tells you this, but then I can honestly say that most of the time I'll start mixing at least, <laughs> at least like 80, 80% of the way through what I think is creating a track. Most of the time it digs myself into a hole where I have a really hard time to get out of because I feel like I'm stuck with certain sounds because I put a mixing uh, tool on the track prematurely. And so overall, I'd have to agree with him. If you are finding yourself not finishing stuff because you keep changing out EQs and putting different compressors and effects on things, then you really need to just dig deep and make yourself finish arrangements like I have had to do in the past. Um, But yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Definitely try to segregate if you're having problems. I mean, I know people who do a very good job at mixing and creating at the same time, and they're just super good at doing just rough mixes. Oh, and what I was going to say is that um, I love it when I get a track and I am, it's my job to mix it and I have no idea how I'm going to make it better because it was just so well done that I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make it better. I mean, I end up making it better, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know how at first, like it, it kind of throws you for a loop. Cause you're like, everything's just fitting. And then that's when you do some like light stuff and it feels like you're actually mixing at that point. You're like, I'm just enhancing. It's not, I'm not changing. It's nice when you can enhance and the sound designer does their job and it's just the best. And I say sound designer because most of the time it's EDM, but um, the sound designer, recording engineer, any, anyone that puts music into computers that we use these days. And you are the producer, you know, as the artist. And what I think you're going to enjoy most about this podcast is Dom and I are very different people and we have very different workflows and we come from different backgrounds and we have a different education and we, we are, we are very much alike, but we have very, uh, a lot of unique qualities to us. And that's why this podcast is going to be so enhanced because we're not going to grant everything. And a lot of the topics that we're going to bring up, we know we're bringing up because we both have different perceptions of it. And that's the most beautiful thing because I don't want you just to listen to me. I don't want you to listen to Dom. I want you to hear both sides of the coin and then decide which path is your way and then fuse your ideas with our ideas and others' ideas and and create your own path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's no way I'm going to agree with everything this guy says. We just just, uh, had a fun... um, little compressor shootout of the smart uh, Alan Smart C1 lunchbox version and C1LA yeah um I don't know what the A stands for so I was going to say lunchbox awesome. the so the Alan Smart C1 lunchbox awesome <laughs> unit which it is it's a it very is. nice compressor and then I had brought over my Shadow Hills dual Vandegraaff which has a lot less features very fixed attack release um settings and but it just has this sound that you don't get with the the Allen Smart, but it also just doesn't have the general movement. It just has its own thing, and so it was nice because it was one of the first times in a long time that we just blatantly mm-hmm. liked something else that the mm-hmm. other person didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, we would both love to have both, right? But right. Um, like if we had to choose, like we each would have chosen the ones that we had, which was good, or else we, I guess we would just would have traded. Right, <laughs> right, for sure. If we honestly yeah. liked the other ones, no, yeah, and we I would have traded yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah, all day. But that yeah. didn't happen, but um, no, 
Yeah, so it's it's nice that we don't all have robot minds right. and we can just disagree once in a while. And right. that's I love that dichotomy. It's just awesome. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I would have it no other way. Uh, we will wrap up by simply saying this. Um, use your own judgment on things. Know what you're looking for in your music. Develop workflows that are, are working for you. Take in all the ideas you can from people, sift through them, and figure out what your process is and how you can best you know, represent yourself and create the art that you're most passionate about. So that's it for this time. Uh, we hope to see you guys again very soon. Until later. Yeah, see you guys. Peace out.